Welcome to Family Features, a podcast for anyone who wants to experience healthy relationships within their family. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and I'm honored to come alongside you to encourage, educate, and equip you as we focus on the different relationships that make us family. Let's get started and focus on today's feature. Welcome to the Family Features Podcast. My name is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and I am excited today to have a conversation with Brad Brandon, pastor and founder of Across Nigeria. So welcome, Brad. Hey, it's good to be here. Glad to be uh, on your podcast with you. This is yes. awesome. Looking forward to our conversation. This is so important what you're doing and neat to, and inspiring, actually. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I mean, uh, a lot of things that are happening in northern Nigeria aren't just isolated to northern Nigeria. God's really doing something in the heart of Muslims, really all across uh, Islamic regions throughout the world. It just seems like he's opening up the hearts of Muslims all over the place oh, to receive the word and the and the seed of his gospel. So that's so great to hear. Neat. How did you get into ministry in Nigeria specifically? Oh man, it's it's kind of a long story, but I'll, I'll give you the the short version of it. Um, it was through a miraculous set of events. Uh, I literally got dropped in the middle of northern Nigeria. Uh, you know, some some guy from the U.S. from the Midwest originally. Now I live in the Northeast, and uh, all of a sudden I found myself in the middle of northern Nigeria, which is one of the most dangerous areas in the world to be a Christian, uh, controlled by Sharia law. Uh, God just opened the door and gave us favor with a Fulani Muslim village. And from there, it just uh, sparked a ministry and the gospel spread and word spread. And it was just, I wish I could take all the credit (laughs) for it, but I really just kind of sat back, didn't know what I was doing and just watched God go to work. That's what it boils down to. That's the best. That's neat. Yeah, it really is. And so you were in other places before that too, correct? Yeah. So we've done some work in, in Zambia. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done some work uh, also in Egypt. And, uh, and then I was involved in church planning in the Midwest in Minnesota, where I'm from originally. And uh, so, yeah, kind of bounced all over the place. And then God just, uh, just dropped us in Northern Nigeria and put us to work there. Great. So tell me more about just you and your family and just how you, the journey to places, you know, ministering in Nigeria and and a heart for what you have. Yeah. How how does that all come about? So me and my (laughs) wife, uh, we have been married for almost 30 years and we have eight kids and we, uh, we've homeschooled them all uh, pretty much all the way through other than private school for, for a little bit. Um, so yeah, we, we have a pretty tight knit family. Um, when we moved to Connecticut originally, we were taking over a church for a pastor friend of mine who was retiring and my oldest son was old enough, uh, to where he had started his family and, uh, they had bought a house. And so they ended up staying back in Minnesota. And about two years ago, he, uh, he told me and my wife, he said, I think we're called to move out to Connecticut with you. So now we have all of our family out here with us and our two granddaughters. Oh, that's uh, so, great. Well. so that's really exciting. Yeah, that's great. Neat. neat. Yeah. Eight, eight kids homeschooling. We homeschool as well. It's just been an okay. incredible journey. Um, we, we decided to homeschool living in Georgia where most of the teachers are Christian and yeah. Living now in Oregon, it's a different story. It's a different, it's a different story. Yeah. yeah. What's been yeah, different I was just... between the culture in Minnesota and Connecticut? 
It's very different. In fact, that's something that I that we underestimated when we moved out here was just the cultural difference. Um, Minnesota is very much laid back, kind of like the South is, yeah. uh, you know, sort of hometown ish, mm-hmm. uh, you know, friendly, all of that kind of stuff. Wave when you pass somebody driving down the road. Um, and then we moved out to Connecticut and the East Coast, and it's a whole different world. Yeah. And not quite as friendly. People are very reserved and surmising. Uh, and, uh, and, and like you mentioned, I mean, it's just you can look at the culture, just look at crime rates and all that yeah. stuff. Um, just some completely, completely different. We often tell our kids. You got to be careful because we're not in Minnesota anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This isn't Kansas anymore, right? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was a big adjustment for me and my family. Neat. And then what led from pastoral work, pastoral ministry to um, the work in Nigeria? Yeah, so I, I still pastor our church. And in fact, I'm kind of transitioning out of it so I can focus more on what, what's happening in Nigeria um, you know, really what happened was we, we had a, a church that we had built in Southern Nigeria mm-hmm. and a friend of mine, a, a national Nigerian, uh, was experiencing a, a really a great movement of God where people were coming to Christ and getting saved. He had this tiny little, it was almost like a room for a church and people were, you know, standing outside, uh, listening to the preaching through the windows and, and he sent us videos of this. He said, man, can you just pray with us that God would provide a bigger place so that we can disciple all of these people who are coming to the Lord? And I said, yeah, this was like a Saturday. So I prayed and prayed uh, pretty much all day on Saturday and went into church the next day, mentioned it to our church. Um, by the evening service, we had enough raised money raised for a building. I mean, people just got on board. <laughs> Yeah, so we started construction on the building. Once it was finished, we, um, we I was headed over to southern Nigeria. Again, southern Nigeria is mostly Christian. And um, I was going to be there to dedicate that building. So it's going to be like a celebration. Um, and I sit down at the computer and really not to freak anybody out, but I sat down at the computer and I just felt the Holy Spirit leading me and, and, and saying to me in, in, in a spiritual way, um, I don't want you to go to Southern Nigeria. I was, I would fly into Lagos. He said, I want you to go to Abuja. I didn't know anybody in Abuja. I had no connections there whatsoever. And you know, just through a sort of an internal conversation with the Lord, like, are you sure about this? Lord? <laughs> um, I took a step of faith and just purchased a, a one-way ticket to Abuja and from there, it just kind of turned into that's how I ended up in northern Nigeria. And from wow. there, I met a Fulani Muslim chief. And from there, I was invited to their village. And from there, I preached the gospel. And some of them got saved. And it turned into this big thing. And, and now what we do is we build schools in Fulani Muslim villages where we use the Bible to teach their children to read and write English. And and there, that's like a college education to learn how to read and write English. Um, And our teachers are trained, not necessarily to to share the gospel with the children, because that that could be very offensive uh, to them, but they're trained to work very closely with the parents. And through those relationships, we've seen a lot of 
Fulani Muslims come to faith in Christ. And if you're not familiar with the Fulani Muslims in northern Nigeria, maybe your listeners aren't. Um, they are responsible for the death of over 6,100 Christians just last year. Uh, they'll go into a Christian village and they will burn it. They will hack everybody to death. And then they'll confiscate the land from that village. So they're a very violent people. And it's one of the most persecuted areas for Christians in the entire world. Uh, we operate in areas that are controlled by Boko Haram. Uh, we operate in areas that are controlled by ISWA, which is the Islamic State of West Africa. And then we also operate uh, in and amongst Fulani Muslim villages. I mean, some of the people who we work with and have led to the Lord are killers. They've killed Christians mm. um, in, in their quest to take over the land and the property. Fulani Muslims are, are predominantly a a semi-nomadic people. So they are called herdsmen. So you may have heard of the conflict between farmers and herdsmen. That's kind of how the news media pitches it to sort of whitewash. Uh, it's really at the heart of it is a conflict between Muslims and Christians. That, that's really what it is. Interesting. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Great telling. Yeah. And so you're saying you're in the process of transitioning out of full-time pastoral ministry to really continue the ministry and the, the work you're doing in Nigeria. Yeah, I'd love to stay in my nice, safe little office that I have in in uh, in, in Hartford, Connecticut or near Hartford, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's just not God's calling in my life. So I'm, I'm handing that over to somebody else. Wow. And, um, you know, one of the things we operate in in northern Nigeria, of course, and one of the things that I learned that I really didn't uh, anticipate going into this was we're in some pretty intense situations. Uh, in fact, when I was uh, this past fall, uh, we had one of our guys was murdered uh, while I was there. Uh, Pastor Shaibu uh, was one of our scouts and he traveled all over Northern Nigeria with us. You know, one of the things that we do as well is we, we minister to the persecuted church in Northern Nigeria. So we're reaching Muslims with the gospel, but we're also ministering, ministering to the persecuted church there. I mean, we'll, we'll run into villages in Northern Nigeria, pockets of Christians, where they can't go to the market and get food because no one will sell them anything. Um, they can't get clean water because no one will come out and drill a well because they're Christians. Mm -hmm. They have no access to medicine or medical care, no education, nothing. So they're literally out in the middle of the bush with access to nothing uh, because they're surrounded by people who just instinctively hate them. Mm -hmm. um, and Pastor Shaibu was a great help to us. He was really acted as a, as a scout for us. He would scout out uh, Muslim villages that we could go to and, and, and deliver the gospel. Uh, he would also scout out uh, pockets of persecuted Christians because he was from the north. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we would do a tour. We would travel probably for about a week or a week and a half all through northern Nigeria in these dangerous areas. And uh, and then and then we would we would you know, come back and then we would go back out after we had some R&R. &R. Um, one of the nights that we dropped him off at his house, uh, we came back to pick him up the next morning and his church was burned. He had a church on his property and his house was burned. And when we entered his home, uh, we found his his body in his bed. They had gone in and hacked him to death. 
because of the work that we're doing there. So I guess I say all of that to say we're operating in some pretty intense situations. I mean, that, that's this is the real deal, right? I mean, Christianity doesn't get more real than that uh, when you're, you're carrying the body of your, your friend and putting him in the back of, of your SUV. Um, and, and through that, what I found was that coming back to the United States and trying to minister to Christians here, I'm trying not to be harsh or critical of Christians here because their reality here is their reality, right? And But it's made it very difficult for me to pastor Christians here in the United States um, because we're, I'm used to operating in such intense situations that sometimes when I hear the problems that Christians have here, <laughs> yeah. um, it, it, it's different. And, and so I have to ask the Lord to give me a lot of grace to, to help people with, with their problems here, because the problems here in the U S very different than the problems in Northern Nigeria. So I just really took that as sort of a sign of God leading me um, to, to focus more on what he's doing there. And, and God's opened the door so wide over there, everything's low hanging fruit. And, um, and, and, and so I just want to seize the moment and sometimes when God opens the, the window or opens the door, it's not open forever. It's open right. for a period of time. Right. And so I want to I want to maximize what we're doing over there. Best thing for me to do is to step back from pastoring, mm-hmm. focus on that and let somebody else have the helm uh, here at our church in the U.S. Well, you're you're right. You're being nice, I think, um, when it comes to the differences and what you've experienced with that friend and pastor and Nigeria, you're never going to be the same. Right. So right. you do look at everyone else's problems. And if you're not careful, just get mad at them. <laughs> it, it happens. Totally and I, I try to ask God to give me grace that I don't, but it's frustrating at times. Totally you know? valid. Uh, yeah. I don't like the color of the chairs, the pianos on the wrong side of the stage. <laughs> it's all these things that's like uh, first world problems, right? Yes, first world problems. I just shared yeah. on Facebook earlier today, something I heard, saw someone share. It was a list of all the complaints at this resort somewhere. I don't even know where okay. it was in Spain, but it was like the sand is too, not the color of the brochures, the too many people speak Spanish and don't know how to speak English. Why do they take a nap in the afternoon? I need to, I wanted to go buy some stuff. It's like <laughs> people, just, these entitled. And so sometimes yes. you get yes. quite maddening what's going on but i think that's the purpose of the church here in the states when it comes to missions that oftentimes you look at missions we're going to go bless these people and the truth is is how many really probably most of those that go are actually their life is altered forever as a american yeah and that's what it becomes about as well it's kind of a dual but probably more about that american getting a, a broader view of the world and more heart and compassion. Yeah, I have been infinitely more blessed by suffering Christians in northern Nigeria who have nothing but have everything. You know, I mean, spiritually they have everything. Um, joy in the midst of of suffering and persecution and love and charity towards others. I mean, all of these things that that just overflow out of the spirit of God within them. Mm-hmm. And then me as an American Christian come into contact with that. And when I first went over thinking, oh, how, how can I be a blessing to them? Yep. And, and now I just sit back and it's like, Lord, you have blessed me infinitely more than I could ever repay through them. Um, yeah, just, just to see that. 
I remember walking the streets of Dominican Republic when I was in college with a, with a group and these people inviting us into their home to give us their last bit of food. Yes. They were just so amazed to see an American and they wanted to interact with us and, and they were giving us in dirt floors and, you know, cement walls and just this horrible setting in some sense, but the joy, I just, I will never forget the joy. I grew up in South America in Chile yeah. and the growing up there, I didn't know, like that was my world. So coming to America as a senior in high school was very difficult. I actually struggled with suicidal ideations and depression. Wow. And just really had a hard time getting, you know, and, and I, I guess I didn't even want to. It's like, I don't want to be an American in some sense. To the point now where I'm kind of on the other side of that is it's sad how much we've lost American pride and there's so much hate and so much anti because um, I, I what I loved about in Chile was they loved their country and they loved the traditions of their country. And I, I think that's a beautiful thing. That is. It really is. Yeah. 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 How it's, it, you, it, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it's the same way in Nigeria. It's like they, they love Nigeria, their country, and they, they embrace their culture and they celebrate their culture. Um, there's, there's just, when you come back to the United States, it's like there's a lot of demonizing of our culture, even, even the, the good attributes of, of what we have here. Yeah. You know? How does your wife um, feel about all of your traveling and the risk? Well, I mean, of course, there she's concerned. I don't want to be flippant and say, you know, she, it doesn't concern her. And there's not times where she's more concerned than others, depending on where I'm at in the country. Sure. Um, but I'm, I'm probably there about four times a year. My goal is to spend about four months a year in Nigeria. I, listen, I would love to take her with. Uh, there's there's certain areas of Nigeria where I could take her with it, it would be safe you know I, I would even say like Abuja's in the north but it's a big city so it's relatively safe I wouldn't feel very concerned bringing her to Abuja but that's kind of like that's the that's the last marker anything north of Abuja is the wild west literally like anything can happen there's no police there's very little military presence nothing to stop anything and when I'm there, I'm focused on what we're doing there. And if she was with us, I would be distracted oh gosh, uh, looking out for her. Yeah. Um, so she doesn't travel with me. But, you know, one of the things is, is that she, the Lord not only revealed to me what I was supposed to be doing there, simultaneously he revealed that to her. And I think that's so important because oh, we both said. have a united vision for what we're doing. We know that God is doing something there and that we want to be part of it. And each of us, her and I, have different roles to fulfill the same vision. And, and, and that's, that's just where it is. Yeah, that's exactly what I was hoping to hear. Uh, just how beautiful that is of being yeah. partners and God didn't just speak to you and she has to kind of follow. It's this, you're a team because a lot of couples, her or him, they go in a direction and the other person is not okay with it. Yes. And there's a lot yes. of tension. And th I believe that marriage is something that God designed and protects. He doesn't go in and just fracture marriages. That's right. So yeah. this could be an area of great tension and definitely worry for sure. But 
great tension that it's neat to hear you say that God even has kind of led her into this as well. That's so beautiful. That's right. And, and I think I, I think of that verse where uh, God says, delight yourself in the Lord. And David writes this, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. You know, I used to read that and think, oh, if I delight myself in the Lord, then God will give me what I want. He'll give me my desires, right? You should think, okay, so let's delight myself in the Lord <laughs> so I can get what I want. Kind of kind of like a young humanistic Christian yep. perspective, right? Yep. Um, but then all of a sudden I realized, and, and even through this process, you know, I, I don't think God is saying that as much as he's saying, if you delight yourself in me, mm-hmm. I will give you the desires of your heart, meaning that God will place his desires in my heart. He will give me the desires of my heart. And I think it's true with my wife as well. At the same time, we were delighting ourselves in serving the Lord and pastoring and ministering to people. And, and God simultaneously gave us new desires mm-hmm. and a heart for Muslims in a region that and, and among a people that hate Christians. I have a deep love for Fulani Muslims uh, in northern Nigeria, a love that that couldn't come from myself, but could only come from God's spirit working that love out of me. You know, yeah, that, that fruit, right? I mean, it's the yeah. fruit of the spirit. And and yeah. what is fruit? Fruit's the reproductive organ of a plant, ultimately. Mm-hmm. So so fruit isn't made just for me to enjoy because it tastes sweet and love, joy, peace in my life. And it's it's actually a reproductive thing. You know, other people see that love. They see the joy. They see the peace. They're like, man, I want some of that. I remember uh, a Fulani Muslim chief, uh, the first one that I, that I met. Uh, his name is Alheji Gambo. Uh, he's the chief of a Ruga Fulani village in, in northern Nigeria. And that's where our ministry started from. I remember he looked at me and he said, my people don't know love. He said, you know love. I can see it in your eyes. And, and we had shown him love. Uh, even before we even preached the gospel, we had we had put our love into action and mm-hmm. helped them with clean water and helped them with some medicine and other things they were struggling with. He said, you know, love, my people don't know love. That's the greatest compliment wow. I could get, because yeah. that's as a Christian, that's what Christ says I'm supposed to be known for. We, we often as Christians uh, emphasize a lot of other things that, that we want to be known for. Um, and love isn't always one of them. Christ says uh, they will know you by your love. They will know that you're a follower and a disciple of mine by how you love others. So that was a great compliment. That's a great compliment. So true. So neat. And so your, um, your current, I guess, trajectory is you said you want to spend at least like about four months um, a year in Nigeria. Yeah. Yep. Do you take teams or is it you? Um, like what, how can people help you, support you. I know your website is acrossnigeria.org. That's right. Yep. Acrossnigeria.org. What can people do to help um, help you basically? Yeah. So um, we uh, look for a lot of different things. So one of the things that we're looking for right now is to set up a medical clinic that we can do in Northern Nigeria. So if there's anybody out there listening who is in the medical field, nurse, or physician, and they'd like to volunteer some time and come over to Northern Nigeria, we will turn one of, you know, one of our schools, whatever village we're in, mm-hmm. we'd like to turn that into a clinic for a week and really help people uh, in those areas. Because even Muslims in those areas, 
don't have access to good medicine uh, and, and, and facilities and, and things like that. So even just doing something as simple as a, a personal hygiene clinic, washing your hands, teaching people how to wash their hands. Uh, we've done some of those things in, in Northern Nigeria. Uh, those are fantastic. So we're looking for volunteers in that way. Um, we have teams over there. I, I'm one of these guys who, yes, I'm an American and I'm from the U.S. I do a lot of coordinating of the work over there, but I like to leave it as much as I can in the hands of the nationals. I mean, I they're the ones who I speak Fula and I also speak Hausa. So I can speak the language and communicate but they know the culture, they know the ins and outs, that's their country. And, and so, although, you know, some of my gifting in the Lord is administrative and, and organization and those types of things. So I'm really good at coordinating efforts, but I like to just hand it over to uh, teams of Nigerians that we have uh, who can go into these areas. And we do film shows where we show the Jesus film in Muslim villages all throughout the North. Uh, that's been a great way to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ into those areas. So we do have teams that, that we work with over there, Nigerians um, that, that are with our organization. Um, but we also are looking for volunteers uh, to go over because of the intensity of the area that we work in. There's, there's training that needs to be done before we go um, just so that everybody understands what to do, what not to do, and really understands the real dangers of being there. Uh, sometimes, you know, I think uh, Americans maybe don't, uh, um, how do you say it? The, understanding the real reality and the real dangers over there. It's not a movie. Um, it, it's real dangerous. Uh, so the way you and, said and about your, the pastor passing away, you know, dying, being murdered. Yeah. yeah. Um, we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to think about that. We want to talk over the actual dangers, the the genocide, the murdering, the and and we're looking at it through the lens of our current reality of yeah, you know, it's, we it, might it's a, lock our door at night, we might not lock our door at night. Right. Other places yeah. they're barring their doors and windows and absolutely. And they have walls around their property with yeah. you know eight-foot walls with barbed wire around the yeah. top. And I mean, it's a regular occurrence for somebody to walk into a church and either uh, kill everybody in the church or shoot it up or burn it down. Mm -hmm. that, that happens on a weekly basis. The problem is, is that if it were to happen in London or Paris or New York or in the US, it would make the headlines. Right. Um, it happens so regularly in Northern Nigeria that it doesn't make the headlines. Wow, um, so and but it ha but it's happening all the time. Uh, people being kidnapped, Christians being kidnapped. Uh, it's 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 a very I, I say it this way. It's a very difficult and dangerous place to be a Christian. However, I found it this this just an interesting perspective that 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 I've noticed. It's easier to be a Christian in northern Nigeria than it is to be a Christian in the United States. And sometimes people hear that and they scratch their head. They're like, I, I don't understand what you're saying. This, this is what I mean. You know, to be a Christian means to walk by faith, mm -hmm. right? And you can leave your house and go to work and go to the store, go anywhere you want to here in the United States, and you don't need God to go with you. 
You don't need to walk by faith. You just leave your house and you go and, and you're pretty much guaranteed to be safe. You know, uh, statistically speaking, you leave your house in northern Nigeria and you go out for the day. You cannot leave without God going with you. You cannot. It's a step of faith just to walk out your front yes. door. Yeah, such so reason. in that sense, it's easier to be a Christian in, in northern Nigeria than it is to be a Christian here. Yeah. And that's one, one of the things that's different to pockets around the country in the United States is it's Christians you, you go to church, you do your life, but we're so about ourselves and in different parts of the country in the United States, I've seen where it's more um, like in Portland or somewhere like that. It's more <laughs> not normal. You have to, it, it takes more effort, but even that still is nothing in comparison to what you just said about literally you walk out your front door, you are, you may not come home. Right. And think of that as a parent with your kids, think that with your spouse, like how horrifying that is and how much faith that takes. I think you're exactly right. It's, we think we have it easy. And I think it's scary to think about what that actually means. How many, I know this is not for us to say, we aren't judging others in terms of their, their salvation, but how many will come to, to their end and God will say, I, I didn't know you. Yeah. That just, that's, that's a scary thought. I mean, many wonderful works we have done in thy name. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Yes. Uh, that, that's, the, that's a self-reflecting verse. Like, Lord, I hope I'm not in, I, you know, I'm doing things for you. Am I, do you know me? And, and, you know, the making sure of that. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? And you're not just, doing it to earn salvation. You're not doing it. That's right. Trying to climb your way on up the ladder. And knowing that, but at the same time, if there's not fruit, you've got to kind of scratch your head a little and go, yeah, if you're just paying your bills and paying your taxes and waiting for death. And the, to me, that's what worries me about so many Christians is our life is just so about ourselves. Right. Um, some of the homeschool families just need to see they're so about, about their family and about, but even that can get lost at times where it's so still about ourselves and we're that's protecting, right. we're not actually preparing them for the real world and to be missionaries and to be ministers and to be no matter what field they go into it's a very different culture when you have no access to even water or food or that's right even say the yeah. safety we take for granted i you love know, even like even like peter says he says um above all things have fervent charity one to another mm -hmm. Like above all things, what does that mean? Above everything else, the yeah. most important is to be showing fervent charity toward other people. And, and, and I'm even reminded of how Paul says uh, in Hebrews, and he, he talks about, if you know your brothers or sisters in Christ are suffering, you support them and suffer with them as they are suffering. I think that's really the message to the, to the American church is, there are Christians, not just in northern Nigeria, other parts of the world, China, uh, Saudi Arabia, you know, other parts of the world where e even North Korea, where Christians are suffering. And I think sometimes American Christians lose sight of that when really what we need to be doing is taking stock of these Christians who are suffering and pressing into them as though we're the ones who, who are who are being persecuted. Yes. Whatever's done to them, it's it hurts us, it's done to us. 
we need to identify with that suffering. I think sometimes we're, we're as American Christians, pretty disconnected from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that I've been thinking about lately is how critical it is to have multi-generational um, everything in a sense, but to having the young people hear the stories of the elders and the older. And, and that's a great point. We're not, I don't see that in the church. And we were talking about it. We had a men's retreat here, a big men's conference and uh, here in Salem, Oregon, which was incredible, 800 plus men. And just emphasizing that, that ministry of listening to the older men and having them invest in the younger men. That's not happening in so many settings and circles. We just isolate in our, our age appropriate groups. Right. You have the children's ministry, the teen ministry, the young adults ministry, the, the, you know, the owls, like we call them, uh, older, wiser, uh, (laughs) loving saints, you know, (laughs) and, you know, and, and, and all these groups are separated in the church. And and what does God's word say? It's good and pleasant that we all dwell in unity, Mm -hmm. not separated. I'm not saying there's not a place for youth groups and that stuff. It just seems like we're too segregated. Well, so our, our uh, young adults minister actually recently, a few months ago, did this on his own. He invited some of the older saints to come be a part of the young adult ministry, just to sit on the sideline at first. Then eventually they became table leaders. And eventually they are like, I can't believe I've been missing out on this. But just listening (laughs) to to the young people saying, wow, where have these men been? Where have these women been that we've been able to yeah, sit yeah. with and listen to their stories? And then they I go over to each house for barbecues. And it's like, but that's where even in our American, like almost the best of the best being some of that, what you've experienced and where you're at and where your heart's at almost kind of makes it embarrassing. It's like, and I, I'm, I'm, I know it kind of, that's not a stretch, but it's like, I really do wish everyone listening would basically find out, sign up for a, a mission trip. Again, yeah. not to go change the world. The truth is, is you're probably going to be changed more than absolutely. Um, yeah. Anyone. Yeah. So yeah, your experience has changed who you are literally to the point of, I need to give up my pastoral position to move in this direction. That's incredible. Yeah. I'd love to, like I said, I'd love to stay in my nice office with <laughs> my, you know, nice little life here and everything's safe. And I preach on Sundays and all of that, but I just, that's, that's not what God has for me. Um, and, uh, and I'm excited to see what God's going to continue uh, to do. Um, you know, one of the things that, that you kind of notice is the prominence of commercial Christianity or, or consumer Christianity here in the U S yes. um, and I know what you mean when you said you kind of, kind of embarrassed in a sense, because you go to church in northern Nigeria and you show up in the bush at a persecuted village and it's just all Christians living in the bush. It's like people aren't showing up to church going, where, where is the nursery? I don't like these songs, you know, yep. where, where, where is this? Where, where is that? It's, it's like they come to worship mm-hmm. and that means serving, not to be served. Yep. And, and it's just a totally different mentality when you go to church in that setting. They're not looking to receive anything. They're, they're seeing what, what can I do to give while I'm there? Give to the Lord, give to each other. Um, that, that you just, that's, that, that characteristic is, is palpable when, when you compare the two. Yeah, so true. Yeah. I know growing up in Chile, 
the church would start at seven ish, like on some evenings ish, meaning <laughs> yes. whatever they, yeah, I know what you mean. Stuff. But it would end at nine, 10, 11, whenever we wrapped up. That's right. And yep. here it's got to be one hour. Like <laughs> if it's not <laughs> one hour, people are looking at their watches because they have reservations at yep. whatever restaurant, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, yeah, I remember we had my, this was when I first got to Nigeria. We had a, a church service that started at, I don't know, whatever it was, six o'clock or something. And I, and I showed up at 545, you know, and I'm waiting around. Nobody's there. No, and, and the first person showed up at like, I don't know, 630 or seven. And they're like, Oh, they're like, pastor, this is, this is Nigeria. We, yeah. <laughs> we, we say we start at six, but we're, no one's going to show up until seven and we're going to be here till 11 o'clock tonight. So nice. yep. <laughs> yeah. And my dad would try to make, get them to follow a schedule and then even have a bulletin. It's like, no, like, and, and I was this young kid learning from yeah. them. So I'm fighting my own dad on, no, we don't use bulletins. We sing whatever we want to sing and we sing whatever's right. next, whatever we want to sing yep. next. And, and we yeah. don't have a plan. And he hated that. And <laughs> We don't have a plan. That's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. But yeah. the ministry, I know our, the university I teach at has done a lot of work in different countries around um, Africa, a number that have oh, wow. and they've gone and done training, pastoral training and, offering college degrees and it's just incredible to see oh wow but even to see a couple of them who've gone and now their health issues have come from having gone there and to see that there's also a sacrifice and potentially as you've even pointed out the sacrifice of your life Mm -hmm. are you willing to give up your life Um, most americans have never really had to ask that question right and that's truly a, a a a question to be asked, are you willing to give up your life uh, to Mm. go serve, to go change the world, to go point people to Christ? Uh, I feel like it's even in church ministry, oftentimes it's still just fun and games and we lose sight of, no, this is about Jesus. This is about the cross. This is about you and I are broken. We have a disconnection from from him. So Mm -hmm. the needs here are are, are here too. I remember driving on a motorcycle trip through West Virginia and going, I felt like I just went back in time because this area <laughs> was just so abandoned because all of the coal mining is, is gone and all these people that live there. And it was like, I felt like I was in Haiti, the poverty, the, the, um, it was just this weird, even oppression mm-hmm. to see that even mm-hmm. in America, we have pockets of incredible, um, hurt and fear and, You're right. and murders and just, yeah, we need the gospel. It all points to that. Yeah. I love what you're doing. And people can partner with you by going to your website across Nigeria.org by donating, getting involved. Yeah. I would definitely There's... make connections to people that I know that do medical missions. That would be great. I'll give you that. There, there's um, on our website, there's a lot of videos that we have and it talks more about what we do. So if you want to learn more uh, about our ministry there, it's uh, across Nigeria.org. Uh, and uh, there's, there's a lot of opportunities and things to do. And of course, partner with us and, and really pray with us because we can't do what we do without prayer. And, and as, I, as I was listening to you talk about your university working in, in uh, Africa, and one of the visions that I have is to set up a, a training center in northern Nigeria um, that will 
will train people in ministry and evangelism. And, th and that's one of the things that we've experienced is we have an underground railroad system uh, that leads to our refugee facility because in Northern Nigeria, when, when somebody comes to faith in Christ, when a Muslim comes to faith in Christ, they're under Sharia law and under Sharia law, it's legal to kill somebody who converts to Christianity. Uh, we had one woman who was an elderly woman and she had converted to Christianity. She became a believer. One of her sons found a Bible uh, in her in her house and they, her and her or excuse me, him and his four brothers. So she had five older children. They all put a contract out on her life and anyone who would help her. Did you imagine that putting putting a hit out on your own mother? Wow. Um, that's what these boys did. And so we went in and took her out, put her in our underground railroad system and got her to our refugee facility. That that is a oh. that is a, a weekly occurrence okay. where we operate is going in and pulling people out of that those situations. And we have a lot of people who we brought from these different areas to escape with their lives because either their family or their community wants to kill them. And they are right now in, in evangelistic training to go back <laughs> because they have a heart to go reach the people um, who want to kill them oh, with the gospel. <laughs> so so we're, we're right now trying to just oh. pray through, Lord, would you, would you allow us to have a facility where we could train people here in the north and then they could go back out? Um, it's, it's just amazing to see the transformation in these people when they receive the gospel and the Holy spirit starts to work in their lives. Yes. Well, I'll definitely connect you with my, the Dean of our school um, that does that, the partnerships, because it's been beautiful yeah. to watch all these, these professors. I have not been able to go. I have my health issues galore that have kept me from doing some of those kind of things. Um, but it's been amazing to watch some of the friends that I work with and colleagues that have gone and, invested and the way it again changes them like they come yeah. back so different that's <laughs> and it's almost like you can't come back and just continue in life the way it was reminds me of nope. like the veterans how veterans can't yeah you know, reintegration back into just doing life and watching a football game and having wings is not okay because there's people still hurting i think yeah. our churches need to hear more and more about the persecuted church and about what you're doing. So the videos you have on your website will be really critical for people to watch. Yeah. The, the realities of it. Yeah. 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 So across Nigeria.org. Yeah. Well, Brad, it's been great yep. talking with you. It's been great getting to know you looking forward to further conversations and, and even partnership just to see what, yeah. what God does for you, your family um, in this, even this transition time, but really the work that's being done in Nigeria and what God's doing and, and you get to be on the front lines partnering with people. And I just love that. Well, we praise the Lord and uh, thank you for giving us a platform to talk about it and, and raise some awareness. I'm, I'm honored to be on. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Family Features Podcast. It has been an honor to serve. Find out more about Dr. Gilbert and his resources for you and your family's growth and success at healinglives.com. And if you think you could use some support along the way, be sure to book that call at bookdrg.com. And one more thing, if you found this helpful, please share this podcast with others so that we can change the world together.